Achievers, I have a very exciting announcement for you. The dates and location have been set for the first ever Miracle Morning Experience live event. That's right. Go to MiracleMorning.com forward slash events to get all the details and to apply for a spot. And when I say apply for a spot, I mean that very sincerely. Uh, we'll have probably 10,000 people plus apply. It is narrowed down or it is limited to 200 individuals. And the reason is this event will be unlike any event in history in that every person there will be working together to literally create history by planning the future of the Miracle Morning movement. So every morning, we'll start by experiencing guided Miracle Morning sessions to deepen and expand your abilities to benefit from the Savers practices, silence, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, scribing. We'll have world-renowned experts in each of these areas to take your Miracle Morning to a whole new level. And then during the afternoon is where the collaborative part happens. You'll connect and collaborate with hundreds of like-minded Miracle Morning practitioners to brainstorm, plan, and execute the future of the Miracle Morning Movement. How will we continue to change millions of lives one morning at a time? You'll be a part of the future. And then every evening we'll celebrate together. Uh, Not too late, of course. You know, we have to be up early. But uh, everything from helping to guide the vision for the Miracle Morning movie that we're, we're filming right now to initiatives that you literally create right there in the room that I don't even know about, right? They'll be created collectively by the brilliance that uh, comes together this June in the middle of the United States. Uh, Again, go to miraclemorning.com forward slash events for all of the details. And I cannot wait to see you at the Miracle Morning Experience live event. Hey, it's Hal Elrod, and this episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast is being brought to you by FreshBooks, the small business accounting software designed for you. And uh, stay tuned at the end for a really cool offer, and you'll find out how FreshBooks is helping millions of small business owners make everyday accounting easy, fast, and secure. Welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast with Hal Elrod. I'm your host, Nick Polkuski, and you're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you take your life to the next level faster than you ever thought possible. In each episode, you will learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals that most haven't. He is the author of the number one best-selling book, The Miracle Morning, a Hall of Fame business achiever, an international keynote speaker, ultra marathon runner, and the founder of VIPSuccessCoaching.com, Mr. Hal Elra. All right, Achieve Your Goals podcast listeners. Ah, you're in for a treat. Uh, I just hung up on our guest, by the way. So it's, it's you know, the, 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 the record button is red and then the hang up on the person you're talking to button is red. And like 50% of the time I hang up on my guests, which is kind of fun. But uh, anyway, t- so this is exciting. I actually, the, the, the gentleman that we're going to interview today, uh, when he was nine years old, he was burned on 100% of his body and he was expected to die. And today he is a speaker, he is an author, he is teaching 50,000 people each year how to live inspired. And his new book, On Fire, appropriately titled, 
The Seven Choices to Ignite a Radically Inspired Life was published in March by Simon & Schuster, and it is a number one national bestseller. I met this gentleman, John O'Leary, at an event that we were both speaking at, and uh, I I immediately, his, his heart... His authenticity, it was evident, and and I felt a connection. And uh, it's you know, as soon as we jumped on the line today, it was just it just it just feels good to talk to John, and I'm really excited to talk to John uh, it, it, with you and, and introduce you to uh, Mr. John O'Leary, author of the book On Fire. John, are you on the line? Hal Elrod, you hung up on me once, but not a second time. <laughs> I am delighted to be on this podcast with you. Right on, man. Yeah, luckily I don't hang up in the middle of the podcast. It's, just, it's <laughs> right. just when I attempt to hit the record button and hit the hang up button and. Uh, I'll do my best to, to not, uh, not 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 hang up again. So, uh, yeah, man, this is uh, this is good. So you're you're uh, in St. Louis right now, right? You're part of the world. That is my world. I travel about 120 days a year. Yeah, and it means I'm home about 240 days a year. And home for me is St. Louis. It's married. I have four children. The oldest is 10. The youngest is four. And so my life is very busy, both personally and professionally. But I feel blessed, man. I. Uh, I think life is a miracle, and it starts off with a miracle morning, but it gets even better <laughs> from there. Truly, I mean, I, and by the way, I, I love your work, and so to be on your show is meaningful. Cool, man. Well, ditto. I, I appreciate uh, your work, and when I saw you speak, you know, it's funny. We have a mutual friend, uh, John Rulin, and uh, plug for Johnny Rulin, and right. he, uh, you know, he told me about you. You know, I got you. Got to meet my this John O'Leary, da 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 da, the best speaker I've ever seen. Like that's what he said, and I was like. You've seen me speak at you. Screw you, you know. <laughs> and he's like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, and so and so it was really cool. And I was like, dude, I'm speaking at an event that this is the John O'Leary that you talked yes. about, right? And you know, and and so it was really cool when you and I got to finally meet in person. Our, our reputations had preceded each other, thanks to uh, John Rulin. But um, let, let's dive into your story. I mean, this is it's such an extraordinary story. Um, you, you know, and, and I feel a kinship based on, you know, mm-hmm. having almost died together, uh, or not together, but, but, you know, that's one thing that we kind of share mm-hmm. in common. And, uh, I also, when I saw your book on fire, you know, my book's taking life head on, yes. you know, head on, right. I was like, I was like, yes, I, John and I really do think alike, you know? So, um, so share the, share the story. And, and I heard you tell it in person. It's riveting. It's, it, you know, it, I'm sure some of our listeners will, will be in tears. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, please share what was that, that fate day like when you were nine years old yeah so Hal you know I, I think everyone has a story everybody's got a story mm-hmm. it's just frequently not the story we are telling the world sure. you know and, and so I think it's important because we don't always tell the world about our car accidents about the challenges we face relationally about what we went through as kids and I went through something horrific endured and then spent the rest of my life working like crazy to cover it up and today I'm finally bold enough and and free enough to embrace the scars, to celebrate that story. And, and that's where this book came from. That's where my speaking comes from. And I guess that's the, ultimately the answer to your question. So what happened to you when you were a kid? Well, what happened was about a week before this event, I saw some little boys in my neighborhood playing with fire and gasoline. Hmm. And like all great, curious Midwestern boys, I assumed if they could do it, so could I. So, so that weekend, it's Saturday, it's January the 17th. My mom and dad are gone. I walk into the garage, lit a piece of cardboard on fire, came over to a five-gallon container of gasoline. The plan, Hal, is to pour a tiny bit of gasoline on top of this piece of paper that is burning. And before the liquid even comes out of the can, those darn fumes, 
and by the way, we could rift on this for the next hour, but the, sure. it's generally in life, not the liquid that burns us. It's not the headlines. It's not what everybody is talking about or debating. It's the stuff that no one talks about. It's the stuff we're too busy to see. It's, it's the fumes in life. And that day, and I think every day what gets us are those darn fumes. So as a nine-year-old, the fumes come out. It creates a massive explosion, splits the can in two, picks me up, and then launches me 20 feet against the far side of the garage, engulfed in flames, surrounded by fire. The only way out was back through the fire. And so I, I just took off running. Eventually, my brother Jim saves my life. It's, it's an amazing, miraculous story of selfless love. But it changed my world and it changed my world forever. I was burned, as you said, on 100% of my body and 87% were third degree. It's a death wow. sentence. Wow. So, so talk, talk about your brother saving your life. What, how, how did that occur? Yeah. So uh, Jim was 17. I was nine. I came screaming out of the garage back into my mom and dad's house. So I ran to the kitchen and into the family room, through the family room, into the front of the house, stood on top of this rug burning. I mean, geez. Now, were you screaming? Were you screaming? Oh, gosh. Panicked, ridden. Yeah, absolutely screaming. Looking back on it, I'm not even sure I knew I was on fire. Hmm. I just remember knowing that there were orange things in front of me everywhere I went and that Hmm. I was in pain and a nine-year-old mindset that I was in trouble. And for me, that was enough. So I just took off running, stood on top of that rug, screaming for a hero. I knew I needed somebody to do something for me. I Mm. wasn't even sure what it was. Mm. And I see my brother Jim racing toward me. He was 17. He had never to this point, Hal, done anything good for me, I don't think. I mean, he's my older brother. He's condescending. I I think he hates me back then. He's never (laughs) done anything kind. Of course. And so I remember thinking as he's coming toward me, you know, like, God, anybody else, not, no. not, not this guy. And yet th- this is his moment. You mm. know, and I think the reason why we do the work we do is because we realize there are people out there that we can shake and rattle their cage and wake up to live into the fullness of their lives. And, and this is Jim's moment to change and to shine. And, and what he does is he picks up a rug, comes back over to me, begins beating down the flames. It takes him two minutes and it's important that your listeners understand every time he swings into the flames, he, he, he's burning himself, mm. but he's unrelenting. I mean, he realizes because you don't do this if it's about you. Yeah. And I think in life, I, we, we too frequently do things to see what we can get out of it. Well, you don't beat someone with a little rug and burn yourself in the process for yourself, for your ego or for whatever else. You do it for somebody else. And in that miracles start popping in your own life. This is true when you're a 17-year-old brother, but it's also true for all of us today in our lives. He, he selflessly serves me. He beats down the flames, carries me outside, saves my life. That 1987, the lifesaver of the year for the state of Missouri was an arrogant, self-centered, pimple-faced punk brother who changed, became a much better version of himself. He wow. shined, man. So that Jim's my hero. I'm, I'm an old guy now. I'm 38. He's still my hero today. He's one of the great heroes of my life. So the at nine years old, Jim saves your life. And, and where, I don't think you shared this yet. Where were your parents? When did they come into the picture? Right. So it's, I'm glad you asked. Yeah. My, my dad was at work. My mother was out with a couple of my siblings. I'm one of six. Hmm. So, um, I remember in the hospital room because I had not seen my parents yet, right? This explosion happened in the garage. I caused it. I'm laying now here in this bed by myself, doctors around. I'm naked and skinless and totally freaked out. 
And I remember just shutting my eyes. And as a kid, Hal, and you children yourself, so you can appreciate this, for, for me, the only thought I had that morning was, oh, my gosh, my dad is going to freaking kill me. <laughs> of course. Dude, he's going he's gonna to flip out when he finds out what I did to the garage. The, mm. the dude's going to flip. And then I hear his voice down the hall. The former army guy, he's a type mm. A business owner, tough guy. Love him, yeah. but he's a tough guy. Yeah. Down the hall yelling at some nurse, where is my boy, John? Where is my boy, John? And I remember as a kid thinking, oh my gosh, uh, the old man has come to finish me off. <laughs> and this this nurse brings him back, pulls back the curtain. She probably should have called security. He walks in, he points down, finger in my face, and the dude let me have it. And uh, I, I, I like to say verbatim what he said to me, because I'll hmm. never forget the words. Hmm. With his finger in my face, Al, he says, John, look at me when I'm talking to you. Uh, John, I, I have never been so proud of anybody in my entire life. And my little buddy, you look at me when I'm talking to you. Today, this morning, I'm just proud to be your dad. And then my mean type A business owning father says back to me, John, I love you. I love you. I love you. And as a kid, I kind of crossed my arms as best as I could. I shut my eyes. And for me, the thought was, oh, my gosh, uh, nobody told my dad what happened. <laughs> right? I mean, the, the dude doesn't know. Uh. And then the next thought is, dude, I wonder if I can get away with it. But you know how I'm pretty sure you know and your listeners know your dad knew. Sure. But on this day. And if it's true on this day, it should be true for all us on every freaking day. On this day, he realized what mattered. Yeah. And it's not the house. And it's not the garage. And it's not the car. And it's not the crap. I mean, that, that stuff, it's fine. But it's not the stuff. It's the stuff that sustains. It's the stuff that matters. It's relationship. And it's life. And it's faith. And it's health. And it's eyesight. And it's the ability to do life even better afterwards. That that day, my dad changed. And his great love changed me too. It's, it's just a moment in my time, this inflection point, that I think changed everything that happened from that moment in the hospital afterwards. So – you, you. How long did the recovery take you? Yeah, so it's it's intense. I mean, you know, with a broken arm, they cast you and you go home and you get a milkshake on the way home. Yeah. With with burn care, when you're burned 100% of your body and 87% is third degree, the, the math how today is this. In 2016, they take that percentage of your, of your body burned. So 100. You can write these down at home. 100. Okay. They add your age. Nine. And if you draw a line below the nine, I know some of us are like, dude, we were told Hal would have no math involved today, but there, there's a little bit of math. <laughs> 100 plus nine, you have 109% likelihood in, in 2016 of dying. So wow. 30 years ago, there is no chance because you got no skin and there's not really any likelihood of you getting skin. They got to take it from the only place in your body not burned. For me, it's my scalp and my face. They weren't able to take it from my face, but they took it from my scalp and they took it from my scalp 
I think 14 different times, week huh. after week after week, coming back to that scalp, taking the skin, piecing me back together, wow. breathing life back into my journey. And in between the surgeries, they take you for bandage changes and physical and occupational respiratory therapy. And it's a journey, man. It's something I don't write about. I don't really talk about just because it's so intense physically. But what I do write about and what I do talk about is the people, the men and women who provided that care. Because mm. I, I think it's hard for your listeners to imagine being a nine-year-old kid with no skin. I mean, that, uh, sure. it's hard to relate to, man. I'll yeah. never be there, God willing. But we all have jobs. And for the most part, our jobs are not always easy. and They're not always glorious to live into. How do, you, how do you clean a room as a janitor? Because if he doesn't do his job beautifully, this kid dies of an infection. Truly, I mean, this is just a fact. Yeah. And he's going to get minimum wage for it. And how does the, the burn technician who makes about minimum wage plus 50 cents carry a kid to a bandage change and then do a procedure that is so torturous, not only for the kid, but for the guy doing it? Hmm. And how does the doctor do it? Because it's not just payment at this point. It's got to be mission and driven. And the beauty of our story is that all of these men, all of these women knew their power. They knew their purpose. They knew their mission. They knew their role in this little kid's miracle. They, they knew that every single person was responsible for it. And they played like a beautiful symphony as one. And through their work and through their efforts, through their faith, their actions, man, I, you and I are on this call today. So I don't talk about burn care. I talk about the studs and the ladies, these incredible men and women who provided it extraordinarily well. And through their care, I'm with you. It's, it's one example. But in our lives, we, we can complain about the work we do or we can celebrate that through it, we make a difference. And we're going to do our finest job ever at making lattes today or sweeping streets today or painting pictures or doing podcasts or whatever else we do professionally. And through that, we can trust that our life and our work matters profoundly. Wow. Your, when did you start speaking? How long ago did you start speaking professionally and, and sharing your story and, and sharing the, the lessons that you share? Yeah, dude, so even this is new, and I think it's, it's such a cool question uh, because most people don't ask. They just assumed. So, John, I'm assuming you came out of your, your mother's womb with a microphone, correct? <laughs> and, and candidly, no, not correct. I, I uh, as a kid, was an introvert. And I remained an introvert, certainly after blowing myself up in a garage. And I remained an introvert and very much kind of to myself uh, for the better part of three decades. When I was 28 years old, how just 10 years ago, my mom and dad wrote a book called Overwhelming Odds about what happened to them on a cold January morning when they got phone calls at separate locations that their little boy was burnt and that he was not going to survive. And, and so they wrote a little book about their journey. They printed 200 copies. They sold over 70,000. Wow. That's not Miracle Morning type stuff, man. But th this is a Pretty close. Huge, that's amazing. It's freaking enormous for a, a stay-at-home mother and a man who has Parkinson's disease and has had it for two and a half decades to sell out of their garage. One of the copies they sold was to the guy you're interviewing today. So for you know a few bucks, man, I got to read about how I got burned. I had to read my my own unauthorized bi biography of my life. Wow! You know, imagine if your your parents how wrote about your accident and yep. they wrote about the recovery and they wrote about your scars, things you never told anybody. Yeah. And I remember reading this book and getting to the end of it and looking back at the front cover. And this, I get emotional talking about it, but this, this little boy, he's got a Cardinal hat on, St. Louis Cardinal hat on. He's in a wheelchair. He's got a big goofy grin on his face. But 
forever. When I looked at that picture, I saw a kid in a wheelchair because if you look closely, you see a wheelchair handle. Mm -hmm. And I saw a neck brace, uh, which I used to have to wear. And I saw the scars on my neck and I saw just the remnants of, of struggles, man, below the clothes. But this time, 10 years ago, when I looked back at that picture, I saw the grin and I saw miraculously, my face is not burned. Dude, what is the chance of that? It's a miracle. Hmm. I saw the grin not only in my face, but in my eyes and light and courage and faithfulness and zest and character and grit. And, And it also allowed me to realize that the fire ultimately led me, led to me not only in that character in life, which is important, but, but also to compassion. It led to where I went to school, led to college. It led to a chance encounter my senior year with a brunette named Elizabeth Grace, mm. who is stunningly gorgeous on the inside and out. She's nice. given me four babies. We have a wonderful marriage. It's not perfect, yeah. but we're better today at it than we were yesterday. So like the best of my life today, Hal, is the direct result of being blown up as a kid, losing my fingers, going through surgeries and struggles and never telling anybody about it. So 10 years ago, I finally woke up. I embraced the gift of my scars and the gift of my story and very slowly started sharing it with others. The first group six months later was a group of four Girl Scouts. <laughs> that was, that's, that's the first home run. People, you know, I got a text recently. We, we were just the number one seller on Amazon. Yeah. We, so all these things are coming our way. And one of my friends said, man, I'm so glad this happened for you so quickly. So I was like, I'm thinking back quickly. It's been nine years, man. My first group was four Girl Scouts and they were yawning their way through my eight minute presentation. So no, this was not quick. It was painstakingly slow, but like erosion, it were true. And I never wrote a book. I never ever gave a presentation for revenue. I, I never did this to see what I could get out of it, man. Never, I still don't. I think when you do things because you trust that the work you do, the words you speak, what you write can touch people's lives, the revenue comes. Just trust in that. Sure. You do your job well and you do it right, humbly and authentically with the other people in mind, not you, with other people in mind, it shows back up. And that's been our experience. It's been a gift, both what the speaking world has done for us, but also what the book has done, not only in my life, but in the lives of those who have read it. Yeah, and that you know, I'm looking on Amazon. Uh, by, by the way, before I say this, there, you know, I think that you're so right. Is that you know the the more value you add for people, like that that is that is the way that you that that to me is a real law of attraction. Put it that way, right? Like mm-hmm. you attract all the things that you want based mm-hmm. on how much you contribute and how much you give to the world. Right? The more right you on. give, the more you attract. The more you contribute, the more you attract. So, um, not I made a vision board and put pictures of. Fancy cars and houses on my wall, and I just sat back, and it all magically showed up. Um, Dude, we could riff on that for a uh, while. We'll lose some of the listeners, I'm sure, but I, (laughs) I, I, hey, guess what? It's not a secret. It's a Uh, fact. uh, Hard work done selflessly leads to results in life, man. So I think it's less about putting it up on a board and shutting your eyes and waiting waiting for it to manifest, and more about imagining, gosh, what can I do today to make a profound difference? Yeah. It's called hard work. And I don't think Usually you would have sold. overalls, man, it takes a lot the, of faith and character and a network and it shows up. If that was the secret, uh, your subtitle for the secret, I just don't, I don't think you would have sold as many copies. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's true. So, so I'm looking, yeah, I'm on Amazon right now. You, you, you're number one, you've been a number one bestseller. You've got uh, 56 reviews, which is impressive. You just, you're, the book published just in the last couple of months, right? When did it come out? Just four weeks ago. 
You are uh, right now you're number 19 in happiness, you're number 38 in motivation and self-improvement. Uh, and of the 56 reviews you have, they are all five stars and I know you well enough to know that those are authentic five-star reviews. You didn't go, uh, you know, buy those on Craigslist or anything. No. Um, the, the headlines are things like inspiring lessons, couldn't put it down, a life changer, an incredible book and journey on and on and on. Um, talk about the, what I want to know is uh, first, so two questions and they'll, you just, you handle, you can handle them. They'll lead one right into the other. The first question is, um, why the book now? Why did you write the book now? You know, you mentioned that you became yeah. a speaker 10 years ago. Um, and, uh, it's been about 10 years that you started speaking and before mm-hmm. you put it in, into writing it, you know, it's been a decade. So why write the book now? And, and what is it going to do for our listeners if they go over to Amazon and, and pick up a copy? Awesome. So I'm sure all of your listeners have, have read already my first book called The Phoenix Factor. <laughs> oh, no. no. Oh, okay, no. So that's the one I wrote nine years ago. And oh, like wow. you, okay. I was taught and trained every speaker has a book. Mm, got it. Okay. I wrote that. But I just think there's such a cool lesson here. I wrote that book because I needed a way as a to, to monetize this, to get it out into the community, to prove that I'm a speaker. I tried to sell it to New York. No one called me back. No one wrote me back. Rejection after rejection. And you know what? Looking back at that book, the book sucked. <laughs> it, it, it was a, a lousy autobiography. It, it just it. was not worthy. Okay. And so I put it down and just started serving. I waited and I, I waited until a message had manifest, to use a sexy term these days, to reveal itself clearly in my mind that I think the community, the world is starved for. And what I think that is, Hal, is a battle cry, a yell out to challenge people to wake up from accidental living. No more excuses, no more blame shifting, no more looking back to what happened to you in a car accident or what happened to you as a kid and when you got burned or what happened in that first marriage or what happened in your upbringing or what happened 200 years ago. No more blame shifting, no more looking back. Wake up to the gift and the miracle of this moment, of this day, and then do your absolute best to live into that profound beauty for those around you, trusting that it might show back up in your life, but not doing it for that purpose. And so the book recounts the stories of a little boy being burned, but, but less than being an autobiography or a brag sheet. It's the story and the lessons taught to that little boy of the servants who showed up, the siblings, the parents, the community, President Reagan, Pope John Paul II, athletes, nobodies, the collection of goodness that arrives, the lessons they taught me, and then ultimately what that can do for us in our work, in our relationships, and in our life. Wow. So the, again, going into that second question, if somebody is reading it, um, the, what do you feel like the biggest takeaway is for people? Yeah. So, you know, in the book and I, I'm not a big subtitle guy, Yeah. but I walk them through the seven choices to ignite a radically inspired life. There we go. Okay. 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 So like, man, how do you, how, how, why do you have so much happiness in your life? John, I hear it in your voice and I hear it in Hal's voice. Well, it's so right now, if you said, well, which one's your favorite, O'Leary? That's a little like asking me which of my four is my favorite kids, which I could <laughs> off the air, but certainly not on the air. <laughs> but it, I think it's got to start with the first step. And the first step in my world, and I would suggest in your listeners' world, is accountability, which is not a sexy term. Mm, I love it's, it. Dude, if you can't own your life, no one else can either. Buying the lottery ticket won't do it. Getting lucky tomorrow won't happen for you. If you can't wake up to the fact that you can no longer blame on someone else or maybe 
maybe it'll show up tomorrow for you. But then you got to fight for it. And if it's not working for you, maybe sometimes it means sometimes you got to surrender to it. But one of the most powerful stories, and there are two that kind of run hand in hand. When I was laying in the hospital bed after my dad walked out of my room, my mom walked in. And my, my mom's kind of a pushover. She's so giving. She's a wonderful parent. I, I love her still. And she walked and she took my right hand in hers. She patted my bald head. She looked me in the eyes, Hal, and she says, I love you. I love you. And I remember as a nine-year-old looking up at my mom and saying, Mom, knock it off with the loves. <laughs> my Dude, daughter enough. tells me that all the time. You know, enough. I'm done with it. And then I asked, am I going to die? Yeah, I'm dying. I'm laying there naked and skinless, and I am dying. I don't know it yet, but I am dying. And when I asked the question, I assumed she would say, baby, what are you talking about? We're going to get you out of here today. We'll get you a milkshake on the way home. You know, all I need you to think about right now, baby, is if you want chocolate or vanilla. That, yeah. That's how, That's what I want, man, the milkshake promise. Yeah. And this bold, incredible lady who is not prepared for this, trust me, looks back at me, takes my hand a little more firmly in hers, pats my bald head, and she says a question that changes my world and continues to rock my life. She says, baby, look at me. Do you want to die? Hmm. It's your choice. It's, it's not mine. And wow. I said, mom, I, I, no, I don't want to die. Jeez, I don't want to die. I want to live. And her response was, good, honey, then, then look, take the hand of God, you walk the journey with him, and you fight. Baby, you look at me. You fight like you have never fought before. She said, your daddy and I will be with you every step along the journey, but baby, this is your fight now. This is your life. It is time for you to own it. And on that day, it was January the 17th, 1987, I'll never forget it, we made a covenant to own it, man, to, to, to take the hand of God, to walk the journey, and to fight later on and by the way it was a fight but five months later the second lesson my mother taught me and that i think this book can inspire in others is i'm at home the miracle has taken hold man this little boy has come home that life has come out of death it's an amazing story but i'm at home my mom is at one side of the table my dad's at the other my siblings are gathered around she makes my favorite meal which unusually is og rot and potatoes. Dude, I just loved cheesy goodness back in the day. So <laughs> I'm looking down at this. Smells good, looks better. The problem back then is I was tied into a wheelchair. I don't have hands, so I can't really eat this thing. So my sister grabs a fork. She scoops up potatoes. She brings it toward my mouth. And right before the cheesy goodness enters into you know the hanger, my mother says, Amy, drop that fork. If John's hungry, he'll figure out a way to feed himself. Wow. And I remember like taking my eyes from the potatoes and looking at my mom with such hatred. You know, hmm. how, how could she do this? I can't eat. She's going to ruin dinner. And in fact, she did ruin dinner because before it was all said and done, there were tears. There was yelling. Everybody else left the room except for my mother and I. I flipped the plate twice. But by the end of the night, Hal, there was a fork that had been wedged within my two hands. There were potatoes at the end of the fork. The fork had made its way into my mouth. And through hatred-filled eyes, I looked at my mom and I ate the potatoes. 
the day I was burned, this is the key piece. The day I was burned, she taught me not to die, which is an, a lesson we all must learn in life. No, no more dying. No more dying, please. Hmm. But five months later, she taught me a much more important lesson, which was, okay, now it's time to live. Whew. Dude, if that doesn't wake you up yeah. in your health, in your troubles, in your finances, in your marriage, in your parenting, in your professional, in your goal, there is no secret. It's about picking up the freaking fork. So maybe you got to stare angrily at somebody else, hmm. eating those potatoes and getting after it day after day after day. It's not sexy. It's not pretty. It's called accountability and it's transformative. I, I love that. I love uh, accountability is you're right. It's a word that people are like, I don't want to be accountable. And it's like, dude, what? grow up it's time to be accountable you know if you want your life to be extraordinary you've got to own it and i love that that is that is one of the foundation foundational messages that that you share um john so if people want to get a hold of you uh what is the uh, if they want to get a hold of you if they want to buy the book what what's the best place to find you what's the where's the best place to uh, to get a copy of on fire the seven choices to ignite a radically inspired life and, and join the uh you know, thousands upon thousands of, of people that have read the book and, and love the book and it's impacting their life in a positive way. Awesome, man. Well, I'm, I'm grateful. The, um, the book is, you know, at all, all the main retailers, Barnes and Noble, the indie retailers, the little bookstores, it's certainly on Amazon. Yeah. So I know a lot of your buyers will just, you know, they'll just hop right on and buy it on Amazon. The, through this process though, Hal, I, I've begun really supporting the little guys I, if you really are interested in checking out this book, and I, I hope you are, yeah, check out Amazon, go to Barnes & Noble, fine. But man, walk down to your local bookstore. Hmm. If for some reason they don't have it, order it. Buy it there. Keep someone in business who lives at the corner shop right now. Buy a coffee while you're in there. Meet a cool guy, a cool gal. See a part of your community you may not have seen ever. And if we don't invest in it, it's going to disappear. So yeah, go to the big bookstores if you want. Buy it on Amazon, save a few bucks, or go to the local retailer. And uh, I think you'll be blown away at how cool a store is right down the street from you. So th there are some channels to check it out. An alternative path is to visit me online. I, I can be found online at John, J-O-H-N, O'Leary, O-L-E-A-R-Y, inspires.com. So John O'Leary inspires.com. The book is there, but that same offer remains. Yeah, you can buy it from me in my bookstore. You can go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble, but again, dude, kick the tires of a local bookstore. I know you'll love it. John, you just inspired me to, you know, I, I, I'm a convenience guy. I, you know, I, I, I'm an Amazon Prime member. I always go to Amazon, right? Order my books there. But uh, you just, as you know, I just moved to uh, just outside of Austin, Texas mm -hmm. uh, a few days ago. And uh, you just inspired me to Google Lakeway Bookstore, and uh, and yeah, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it local. I I really respect that. I grew up. My parents owned a grocery store in a small town, and you know the big big Vons came in and, and put us out of business. So uh, well, thank thank you for for being so. You're one of those thoughtful people that I know, and so thank you for that. And to be honest about it, I had no idea what was going on. I, I used to buy everything on Amazon. Now I buy everything in my local bookstore. Yeah. Here, what happens is price, price pressures. I, I'm no, not an economist, but here's the deal. When you choose to go there instead of the local bookstore, it means one, one more set of dollars has now flowed away from them toward a bigger guy who can push the price down even more, which makes them even more attractive for guys like you and me and everybody else who loves convenience to get it even cheaper tomorrow morning for free. Awesome. Which then pushes the guys even farther out of the neighborhood and makes it even harder for these great stores. And they add a ton of value. And they employ local people. 
it's just a cool thing, man. These stores very seldom have drywall, man. I mean, they got like like cherry mahogany walls and they smell funky and it's just cool. So check out your local bookstores. If you're there, check out the book on fire. That's the one I wrote. But if not that, <laughs> any book, man, it's all worthy. It's good stuff that you can learn and do life even better afterwards. Awesome, man. Well, I, I just found Gould Family Books is three miles away from me. So I will be headed there uh, to, uh, I think I've already got one copy of the book, but I will grab another copy there just to support them and, and to support you. And on and on. So, man, I, I appreciate you, John O'Leary. Thank you so much for the time and, and the uh, value. And again, the just delivered through through, through real authenticity and, and heartfelt desire to serve. So I appreciate you, buddy. Well, and can I, so I, I think that that would be what I would encourage as the takeaway, that authenticity, the joy, uh, if you're looking for a tangible takeaway now before the podcast turns off in your car, at your home, wherever you might be listening, here, here's what I do, Hal. This, this is my secret, man. It's done for more, more for my marriage, more for my faith walk, more for my friendships, more for my work, okay. more for my writing, more for my interviews on podcasts than anything else. Uh, I step into every single conversation always with the words quietly in my heart, but sincere. I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Hmm. And I mean this, man. If you if you have one takeaway from this podcast today with Hal El- Elrod, this is it. Step into your next conversation, your next phone call, your next sales call, the meeting tonight with your spouse at the dinner table with your kids, the st- the visit with the, the barista down the street, whatever. With those words internally, I love you. There is nothing nothing that you can do about it and then watch what happens, man. Cool things will explode from that conversation always. I love it. I love it. Um, I'm writing it down right now. Nothing you can do. That's what you do with my kids, you know, is um, when they're and you, you, I'm sure being that you just shared that it's the same as like, you know, mo- most parents, I mean, here's a little tangent bonus lesson, but you know, mo- most, not just parents, most humans react to other humans. They mirror them, right? Mm. So if somebody comes to you with anger, most people get angry. You That's know, right. they get defensive. They get, you know, if your kid freaks out and, you know, hits you, you hit him back or whatever. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and I think that that's, if you just always, like I told, I, we, we moved into this new house and I said, Hey, we got some new family rules, no aggression in this house. Right. Every comment, every interaction is coming from a place of love, empathy, kindness, and compassion, period. Like that's all we're allowed, you know? And so, um, my son's had a couple tantrums. The kids are young. They're adjusting to this new, you know, it's been a lot of chaos. We've been in moving totally. trucks and all this stuff. And, um, right. And, and I'm just trying to create this space where, and, and in the moment, you know, you yes. might think, well, no, they need a pat on the butt because they need to know right away. But in the long run, it's kind of like your mom telling you, I love you. I love you. I love you. Right. You yes. know, mom, shut up already. You know, I, I, I love it. My daughter goes, mom, dad, I, I know you love me. I don't need to hear it every day. But when she does need to hear it, she'll never forget it. That's right. Right? It's pro. It'll be. Pro, I'm pro. I'm. I'm pushing that deep in her subconscious, so that when she's away at college, she, you know, she's feeling lonely or feel right. It's like my dad loves me more than anything in the world. He's been. He's told me seventy, you know, million times over the last eighteen years, and uh, you know, and I, I know it in my heart of hearts. And and uh, yeah. So John, th- thank you for sharing that. I think that it's it's not just with our friends and family, but like you said, the barista. It's every human being yes. on the planet to come from that place of I love you, and there is nothing you can do about it. It. Nothing you can say that's going to change that. Nothing, you know, you be mean to me, that's okay. I love mm. you right back, you know, so. Dude, that's awesome. <sighs> 
Thanks, brother. Appreciate you, man. Man, I'm lifted what up. A... I'm ready to. I'm ready to roll. Ditto, dude. Ditto. All right, man. Well, hey, let me. Uh, we'll wrap this up. Uh, thank you again, John O'Leary. Achieve your goals, podcast listeners. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, go, go. Check out John's book at your local bookstore. Uh, if you uh, don't have transportation, you know, uh, go to Amazon.com. Uh, grab a copy of On Fire: The Seven Choices to Ignite a Radically Inspired Life. And I don't know. I do know that John O'Leary has a podcast coming out uh, soon. It might not be out by the date of this podcast, but keep an eye out for that. And uh, John, what's the name? Of, do you have the name of your podcast figured out? Uh, you know, maybe we'll take a, a vote on how Elrod and figure out what the name of it is. But it, it's going to be around living a radically inspired life. That's what we teach. It, it's uh, what my work is all about. And so it'll broadly be about living an inspired life. Beautiful, beautiful, man. All right, well, Achieve Your Goals podcast listeners, uh, I, I, I know in my heart you got as much value and, and really enjoyed uh, the conversation with John today. Thank you so much for your valuable time. Thanks for tuning in. I love you. I appreciate you. There's nothing you can do about it. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. And thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the podcast. So now we want to know what were your big takeaways from this episode with John. Simply head on over to hellora.com slash 122 for episode number 122 and simply leave a comment there on the show notes page letting us know what your big takeaway was. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by going to hellora.com slash iTunes, clicking the little subscribe button, and then if you would, please leave a rating and review. Rating and reviews truly are the best way for you to show your appreciation for the show because they help more people find out about the podcast and decide if this is the one for them. Well, all right, it's time for you to go out there, take action, and achieve your goals. Looking to grow your business using podcasting, but don't have the time to edit the audio, insert the intro and outro, write up the show notes, post the episode to all the different sites, and do all of the ridiculous back-end work that's required, then you need yourpodcastguru.com, where you bring the content and we take care of the rest. We'll even co-host the show for you. Visit yourpodcastguru.com right now to explode your audience and crush it in the podcasting world.